Hello everyone and welcome back to Hoops Weekly. I'm your host, Yoni Golem, and we're getting closer to that time of the year. The NBA season is officially starting in 30 days, and I couldn't be more excited for the experiences that we are about to amount. Obviously, it's going to be a different experience considering there's no fans, so I wonder what they're really going to do with the whole sound. Because a big part of the playoffs is like that whole playoff intensity, that home court, teams getting nervous, teams getting in each other head, like in each other's heads, and it just kind of shows how important the fans are in the game. I heard they're going to be adding some NBA 2K sounds, which is pretty cool, but I don't know how well that's going to play out because it might be kind of awkward for the players, I guess. So we're all just going to have to wait and see. Um, I heard some different stories about. NBA teams like the better NBA teams staying in like the bigger hotels and nicer hotels considering they're all very nice accommodations but still I think that's pretty cool that they have my Raptors seated up there and speaking of Toronto happy Canada Day for everyone it's July 1st so this is the day Canada was made what can I say July it's pretty close to July 4th which is kind of unfortunate I wish Canada kind of had more time to celebrate on its own but it's all right it's all right. Sometimes you do have to accept being a little sibling. <laughs> but let's get on with today's topic. Today we're actually talking about small ball and like how we kind of changed the NBA and like the game of basketball. Essentially, st- small ball started like really picked up with the Golden State Warriors when Steve Kerr took over. But the conversation dates a lot more like historically backwards when the nba first started everyone knows that it was dominated by big men i mean you're looking at the 1960s you have bill russell will chamberlain 70s you have um lou alcinder you know calm kareem abdul jabbar bill walton should be up there on the list um the 1980s again you're continuing with the pistons who had bill lambeer dennis rodman um, kevin McHale for the celtics and still kareem abdul jabbar with the lakers Again, big men dominated the game. And obviously, as the eras kind of passed, big men dominated less and less, and the game kind of transcended into like a shooting guard, small forward type of sport. You know, when they added the three-point line in the 1970s, um, dunking was enabled. That kind of doesn't really help the shooting guards, really just help the big men more. But there's a reason why they really dominated the game so much. I mean, you're looking back in the 1960s, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell were like the two tallest players in the game. It was very easy for them to put up stats like 30 points, 20 rebounds. And that's why I don't think people take them that seriously when it comes to ranking like the best players of all time. Because thinking about it, Bill Russell in his career averaged 20 points, 25 rebounds, three, four blocks a game, maybe even more. But a lot of people don't have him in, in like their top five. I think he's definitely a top 10 player. I mean, considering he has 11 rings in his 13 seasons played. Well, there's a lot of factors that you have to take in. When was the era of basketball most balanced? When was it the most entertaining? When was it, again, the most fair? And I think that really is like the 90s, 2000s era when the NBA really started to like improve and essentially just kind of like take over the whole shooting game. You know, you saw a lot of shooters kind of develop. Reggie Miller, Mark Price, um, John Paxson, even in the early in the early Chicago Bulls days, a, a lot of people kind of just like took over that game and a lot of people improved their mechanics it wasn't just inside game anymore and i was actually looking at a chart that shows um that it shows like the percentage of baskets made from inside the paint um comparing like 19 the 1970s 
and like the 2010s which is now and it is so the shot the shot chart is so different and it really shows how the nba kind of rapidly improved and basketball more than any other sport really kind of really kind of changed i mean you're looking at sports like baseball stayed the same like the, the way the game is played the way people are like more and less athletic now stayed the same hockey stayed the same even soccer stayed the same football stayed the same and basketball kind of really there was really like a big jump a big step because the game realistically it wasn't fully ready in the 1950s when it was first introduced professionally um, with the whole aba nba movement so it really had a lot of wiggle room and it had to take some really big jumps in a sense where you're looking at highlights from the 1960s and Bob Cousy, who's considered one of the greatest point guards of all time, is looking like he he couldn't he couldn't match up to an AAU high school basketball player now. Because people played so much more differently and you could say the game was actually softer back then. And it was a lot less entertaining. The players were less skilled before their time period, they were amazing. And that's kind of what like changes the perspective. But moving on with the decades. Again, in the 1990s, you're looking at players like Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, Karl Malone. And even in the 2000s, you're looking at still players like Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, but really kind of developing into players like Kobe Bryant. Teams were kind of centralizing their their lineups around players that can do it all. Whereas in the 60s to 80s, whereas in the 1980s, people can actually like the teams would actually take over from points where they could only work around their big men for example like when Hakeem Olajuwon was drafted over Michael Jordan then it was it showed a lot of spark around the league because people were like you can't build a team around a shooting guard people knew Michael Jordan may have been the better player but you can't build a team around a shooting guard at the time that's that's the way that people thought people thought that you had to have a big man that could play the game. You had to have someone that is taller, is more dominant than everyone else to actually have a successful run with your team. And that's where people were wrong. Don't get me wrong. Akeem Olajuwon is a great player and you can't say that he wasn't a great pick. However, Michael Jordan probably should have gone first overall, which would have changed the whole dynamic of Houston basketball. That's a completely different topic. I think that during the 80s the nba kind of changed dramatically you got you got your first kind of major shooter in reggie miller and again that kind of worked around the three-point line people weren't really popular or even very fond of the game but people really understood how much it could change with that and larry bird again gave us some nice um some, some nice i guess thoughts for the future uh and yeah i kind of just kept going forward when the when and you could really see that because in the 90s, teams started picking players like Allen Iverson first overall. Um, teams started picking players like Penny Hardway first overall, rather than players like Shaquille O'Neal, who was picked first overall in 92, rather than players like Kevin Garnett in 94. So a lot changed around the way that teams build their, their games. And you see that in the 2003 NBA draft, where the top three picks... Sorry, um, three of the top of the top five picks were not big men. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwayne Wade, because teams understood that the NBA was changing and the game was changing. Now, don't get me wrong, teams were still not playing small ball at the time. But 
they were kind of getting the memo that you need a player that can now do it all, which includes mid-range and three-point shooting to a low extent, rather than just a player that can dominate the rims. So you could see that centers were becoming less and less reliable around the paint for teams. This era was a lot shorter than the big man era, era because small ball was still not a thing. Teams needed that structure of like a point guard that was 6'3", a shooting guard that was around 6'5", 6'6", small forward that was 6'8", power forward that was 6'10", and a center that was 7'. You still need a player that's going to dominate, but your offense was now based off that shooting guard small forward combo. Kobe Bryant and Lamar Odom is a good example. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's probably one of the only good, actually, like, s- strong examples because you can't just say Mo Williams and LeBron James, Jason Williams and Dwayne Wade because I wouldn't say that those were as dominant. Dwayne Wade was able to win a championship, but his duo, the person that really, truly helped him, helped him out, were players like Alonzo Mourning, Shaquille O'Neal. So you still had a lot of duos that were kind of based off of big men. Again, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. Mono Ginobili and Tim Duncan, who played on the same team. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Despite having that big four with Rajon Rondo and, and Ray Allen, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were still leading that team. So I guess you could say that the eras in the 2000s were just eras based off duos where you're looking at players that, that run the game based off a player that's either a guard or a forward, a guard or a small forward, and a big man, someone that can alley-oop it to. And I think one of the greatest examples of that is Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal because they were able to dominate the early 2000s with like that excellence. They really kind of got it going. And then Tim Duncan and Tony Parker continued it. But then something really started changing in the early 2010s. This is when the NBA's offense took a huge turn. And this may have been for the better. Obviously, the ratings are still going up, teams are getting paid more, players are getting paid more, and I think a lot of that has to do with the whole offensive dynamic. People wonder why scoring has gone up so much. You're looking at teams that were averaging like 90, 95 points in the 80s and 90s, who are now averaging 110, 115 points. I'm pretty sure every single team is averaging around 110 points a game, which is crazy, because teams used to award their players for getting to 100 points i mean if you remember the fans would get free pizza when the raptors hit 100 points but now that's nothing hitting 100 points is is not is not a great achievement now because you'd probably wouldn't win the game if you scored 100 points everything is different now the game is faster the game the offense is just built better you're looking at teams that kind of built that foundation like the jazz in the late 90s the suns in the mid 2000s the Spurs in the early 2000s who built that like team basketball, fast-paced offense, and that kind of really helped. People are teams are starting to play more and more, more and more all-star, I guess, based basketball now. I, the game is obviously softer. I mean, a lot of people could realize that, and I think that really started with the early 2010s with the Miami Heat, because against teams like the Dallas Mavericks, the Heat weren't really playing. The Heat weren't really playing big man ball. Because Chris Bosch is six foot ten and Joel Anthony is six foot nine. And the whole point of small ball is yeah, essentially your lineup is still gonna be pretty tall, but your two big men spots for the power forward and center are probably built around people that can play small forward, people that are six ten, six nine, people that are faster, that can spread the floor, that can shoot the three. Players like Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Love fit great into that rotation because they're players that you can kinda you don't have to rely on them to be in the post all the time. They could spread it out. 
they could confuse other defenders and make it harder for them because they could shoot the three now. That changes everything. And they could still be reliable like off the rebounds and defensively. And teams started to realize that that's more effective when the Heat went to the finals four years in a row. It worked against the Thunder because no one could really keep up. Kendrick Perkins couldn't really keep up with Chris Bosh or Udonis Haslam for that matter. Um, it worked in 2013 because Thiago Splitter and Tim Duncan, it was, again, hard for them to keep up with Udonis Haslam and Chris Bosh. As, as good of a job that Tim Duncan did, Thiago Splitter was not able to keep up with him defensively because he's a player that centralizes himself around the paint. He's slower. He's less athletic. He's not used to playing that type of basketball. 2014, the Spurs kind of figured it out. They started playing some sort of small ball of their own when they put Kawhi Leonard at power forward. That changed everything. And that was a big step forward for a lot of teams that kind of studied that play. Putting your small forward in that power forward spot, a player that's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and a great example of that now is P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, who we'll get on to later in a more detailed topic, he's 6'6", six six, but he's playing center for the Houston Rockets right now. I don't know how well that's going to work out. We're going to pick that up later. But then you're looking at a player called Steve Kerr, a former player, assistant coach, TNT analyst. He gets hired for a Golden State Warriors job. The Warriors have been a great team, right? They were, you know what? They were a good team. Not yet. With Mark Jackson, they made it to the playoffs two years in a row. You could see that Steph Curry has massive potential. David Lee is kind of on the downfall. You're building around Stephen Curry. You got rid of Monte Ellis. You're building a team around a player called Stephen Curry. You have a young player called Klay Thompson who you see has potential, but it's not really there yet. Draymond Green, great defensive potential, but it's not really there yet. Then Steve Kerr comes in and gets a 50-win team to a 65-plus win team in one year. And no, they didn't make any trades. They didn't change their lineup by one rotation. You put two point guards. You put, you put two point guards, Jared Jack and Steph Curry, in the point guard shooting guard spots. Klay Thompson moves up to small forward. Harrison Barnes in power forward, Draymond Green in center. You have no player in that lineup that's over 6'10", and all of them can spread the floor and shoot the three. And that changed everything dramatically for the Warriors. Later in the season, Jared Jack was substituted for Leandro Barbosa, which worked for them. Leandro Barbosa was just a taller player. He's 6'4", partially more athletic, more reliable on the defensive end. But essentially, that is what got the Warriors to win games. Teams were just not able to keep up with them. A lot of players te- uh, and teams actually teased play- teams for, like, they call them three-point shooting teams because essentially that whole small ball era, it turned into three. It turned into three-point shooting. The spacing was different. Again, teams couldn't keep up with the Golden State Warriors. That's why they were able to win 67 games. You had to worry about Stephen Curry running around the line, Clay Thompson running around the line, Leandro Barbosa sitting in the corners, Draymond Green in the corners, Harrison Barnes looking for a spot up three. Everyone on the floor could shoot, and everyone on the floor was quick and fast. And you just couldn't do anything about it. Teams were just not able to sustain their defense fast enough. And actually, Charles Barkley was laughing about it. He said he doesn't trust three-point shooting teams. He thought the Warriors' win was a fluke. A lot of people did, because they just came out of nowhere. And this whole small ball era kind of turned the NBA into the three-point shooting era. And that's when you really see that huge advancement in the points, where teams went from scoring 100, maybe 105 points a game to 115, 120 points a game. You know the Warriors did, because they continued to dominate the NBA. The next season, they won 73 games. 
should have won the NBA championship. LeBron James made a miraculous comeback. But still, and again, 2017, you added Kevin Durant and your lineup changed again. Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson took the shooting guard spots. And then you had a player like Kevin Durant, Draymond Green take the small forward and power forward spots. And then a player like JaVale McGee and Andrew Bogut take the center spot for a while. Now, the thing is, is that you kind of had to adapt to different teams because they couldn't play small ball against a team um, like the Bucks, for example, now, who play huge ball, I guess you could call it. Taking that Eric Bledsoe and George Hill take the small four, the point guard shooting guard spots, and then Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez take the small forward, power forward center. That team is huge. So a team playing small ball, although they'll be able to score offensively, when you have a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo who can run like that, it's kind of over for you. You have a player that can adapt to your team defensively and can dominate you on the inside, but he's only a power forward. So obviously, it's a lot of mental state. It's a lot of knowing. You need to have that center on standby because you never know when you're going to be playing a much bigger team who decides to play a bigger lineup. So sometimes it would work for you because the big man on the other team was too slow, but sometimes it wouldn't because the big men are too athletic or adapt to the game quickly. The Warriors were able to be very successful in those 2017-2018 seasons because Kevin Durant was eight, was big. First off, he's six foot ten. He developed into a solid defender. No one can no one can stop him defensively because of his long arms. You know, Giannis wasn't able to meet him yet in the playoffs. There was no one who can guard him. He was quick. He was just unstoppable, and that really changed the whole like that. That really changed the whole dynamic of the game. And he was playing power forward, so that forced a team like the Cavs to move LeBron up to power forward and put Kevin Love in center. So they had to essentially change their lineup completely. Something that team was not ready for, because you could clearly see that they lost the series, and then that ended up working for the Warriors. Essentially, the Cavs had to weaken the roster to adapt to the Warriors, and that's when you see that the small ball really worked. Eventually. Other teams picked up and other teams started playing small ball. You see the Toronto Raptors in their championship run. Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet took the took the backcourt spots. And then Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam. That's a great representation. You put Kawhi Leonard in power forward. He's guarding a player like Draymond Green. And essentially Draymond Green can't do anything. You put a player like Kawhi Leonard on Giannis, and that's the reason why the Raptors were able to beat the Bucks. It completely changes the dynamic for the team. The team has to alter the way they play so quickly that they may not be ready for it. And you don't know when the Raptors might change their lineup to be huge. You know, you never know when the Raptors might play Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Marc Gasol. So again, teams like the Raptors kind of played that perfectly because they were ready. They were ready for every situation. When they played the Bucks, they might have played their bigger roster. When they played teams like when they played teams like the Warriors or even the Magic for that matter. They played their smaller roster, but kept Marcus all in so he can slow down Nikola Vucevic. Sometimes you're blessed with a good situation, sometimes you're not, but essentially, you always win. Now, this is kind of a controversial topic with this one, because I think that this team kind of took small ball to another extreme, and may have even taken it too far. And that team is the Houston Rockets. Everyone knows that the Rockets traded Capella this season to the Atlanta Hawks where he didn't even play. And fans, especially me, I saw that as one of the dumbest things that a team could do. Because 
Capella was the Rockets' only power source in, for big men. When you're playing teams that have huge centers like Anthony Davis or Montrez Harrell or Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo, there's no one that can guard them now. The Rockets' starting lineup is this, okay? Russell Westbrook and Austin Rivers take the backcourt. James Harden, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker. I'm going to name the heights for that roster. And you're going to see what I'm talking about. Russell Westbrook is 6'3". Yeah, he's big. But that doesn't really do anything a lot of the time. He could guard the point guard position, but that's just one-fifth of the lineup. Austin Rivers isn't isn't great defensively. He's 6'5". So you're starting off decent here. James Harden is 6'6". Daniel House is 6'6". And PJ Tucker is 6'6". You see, you were kind of playing it well until the small forward spot. Where then you have your power forward, Daniel House, who should probably be playing shooting guard, and P.J. Tucker, who should probably play, be playing small forward. I don't know if this could work for the long term. It was actually surprisingly working for them in the short term, but I don't know how well they're going to do against teams like the Lakers and the Clippers, who play much bigger basketball, teams like the Bucks. That's why I think the Rockets can't really make it in the playoffs, because they're not ready. They don't have that center. They don't have a person that's ready to take that role. What happens when you play a team like the Bucks? P.J. Tucker might be able to slow Giannis to a certain extent, but what are you going to do about players like Brook Lopez? He is going to destroy you. This guy's seven foot one. What are you going to do against a team like the Raptors? There's no one that can guard Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul. You're kind of stuck. They might just get dominated throughout the playoffs. They might even have an early exit because their teams are just not ready. You don't know if their players might be fried. They might be burnt out of energy by the end of the first round. And they definitely have the talent to make it far, but they also need a big man, they need a center. That's why the Rockets came so close to making it to the NBA Finals in 2018. Clint Capella was a huge part in slowing down the Warriors. Maybe he would have dealt with injuries this season. Yeah, you don't really know what went on there. I think the Atlanta Hawks are now set for a great future with Trey Young, John Collins, Cam Reddish, Jabari Parker. They traded him to the Kings. My bad. Clint Capella. I mean, that team is ready. So you're going to see the Atlanta Hawks kind of emerge. But I think the Rockets are a team that kind of took this whole small ball thing too far. Mike D'Antoni is a pioneer when it comes to the offense of basketball. He's the one that started the second seven-second offense with the Suns, where even then you had a big man like Amari Sadamari, who was 6'10", who could kind of lift his own weight in the paint. You need someone like that. You can't just bring in a guy from Europe or a first year a first year a first year center and just like put him in the playoffs and be like here guard Giannis guard Brooke Lopez you just can't do that guard Anthony Davis he's not gonna be ready he's gonna be scared his legs are gonna be shaking the whole time there has to be a limit I think the Warriors really truly found that during the mid 2010s that's why they were so successful that's why they're gonna continue to be successful in the in the 2020s decade I wish all the best for the Houston Rockets, but I don't know how far they can really make it like that. Regardless, small ball really took over the NBA. They created this whole new three-point era where teams are now offensively stra like strategic. More European players and international players are being are coming here than ever because it finally matches their play style. They can finally fit in. That's why Luka Doncic found his way so easily in the NBA. Again, hope the NBA starts soon. Once the NBA season actually starts, I will start giving you guys 
weekly podcasts about, well, the week in basketball, which is why this series is called Hoops Weekly, so I'm really excited for that. I'm finally going to be able to pick up where I wanted, and yeah, again, happy Canada Day to everyone celebrating, um, happy 4th of July um, in a couple of days, and yeah, peace out, stay safe.